Welcome everyone to our latest NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz, pleased to be joined by MAAC Commissioner Rich Enzor. That is a Division I conference located based in New Jersey, but certainly up and down the Northeast Quarter. And Rich, we want to dive into the subject because you guys made news this past week. Potential trendsetters here. And other conferences have done something similar, but not to the extreme that the MAC has done which is pretty much lay it out that uh, every student athlete needs to be vaccinated to participate in sports. Uh, we're seeing institutions that have gone and taken that step uh, to, you know, say every athlete has to be vaccinated, but at a conference level, we haven't seen that yet until the MAC. If you can first go into that decision process of how this came about, Rich. All right, well, first, thanks for having me on, Andy. Uh, as far as the process, uh, we, we have had for over uh, two years now a COVID working group made up of our health professionals and some administrators, and they have provided us with a lot of guidance throughout the uh, COVID pandemic, uh, and we rely on them heavily. But frankly, on this particular issue, this was a little bit more top-down from presidents to the membership and frankly reflects uh, what our schools are all doing. So of the uh, 11 MAC members, and as you did say, we are basically in New York, uh, Jersey, and Connecticut. Uh, we've uh, had 10 of those member schools uh, have this same policy for student athletes uh, participating in, in, in the collegiate athletics this year. And, and frankly, and to a large extent for the whole student body. So. It was easy to get consensus on this because uh, it reflected what the schools were individually doing and we wanted to extend it to MAC championship play. So uh, that's a basically how it developed. It took about two months of going back and forth with our membership and particularly with our presidents. And as they solidified their uh, fall semester policies for campus, we just drew off of that and built the MAC policy. So let me just dive a little bit deeper into that. So 10 of the 11, are you at liberty to say the one that didn't? No, Canisius didn't want to do it uh, full out. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to live with the MAC policy for conference play. Uh, but for a number of reasons, uh, they chose to go uh, with not requiring full vaccination of all their students. And of the other 10, you say mostly are, are all 10 or... What's the number of how many of those 10 are saying for their entire student body, uh, which is really a lot of schools, as you mentioned, in New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, a lot of public and private have done that in those states. Yeah, we're all private in the MAC, but uh, of the uh, 10, six have a full policy of, of requiring vaccinations, four have varying degrees. Uh, and most of them are, I should say all of them are living with the state requirements that there be certain exceptions. And the exceptions are typically for medical reasons or for religious reasons, but they're narrowly tailored and the athletes have to go in and prove that they're either for religious reasons or medical reasons, uh, unable to uh, participate in the vaccination program. And then they have a layer of uh, requirements in order to participate in MAC uh, require, uh, competition, including uh, testing requirements every week and then masking requirements uh, during competition. So uh, very narrowly uh, exceptions, but by and large, most of the 10 are requiring full vaccinations. 
And so what we've seen already this summer, uh, for example, your colleagues in the Colonial and the SEC have been pretty out, you know, pretty direct in what they're saying about their fall football seasons. For example, in the Colonial, if you cannot field a team appropriately, and obviously in football, that, that matters in terms of number of players in a certain position. You can't just not have any offensive linemen, for example, uh, due to COVID, that if you can't play, it is a forfeit. SEC, same thing. And if neither team can play, then it becomes a no contest. Um, because what we saw a year ago, where everyone was sort of bending over backwards to make things happen, those that even played fall sports, uh, extending the season out, rescheduling all that, the senses cannot do that anymore. And so I want to dive deeper back into that as a commissioner, you know, to the point where you realize that what we went through last year obviously was out of necessity. It was pre-vaccine that we had to do this just to get through. But to go through another year of that kind of gymnastics to get a schedule in, the lost revenue, the lost time, the stress, all of that was almost untenable. From your vantage point as a commissioner, how did you view what had to happen to get a full season in? Last year was very difficult, Andy. We literally redid our basketball schedule every week in order to accommodate those teams that were in COVID pauses. And it was a time-consuming uh, process. The, and I have to give the athletes and coaches a lot of credit because they rolled with it because they did want to compete and they knew that we were trying our best to make sure that that happened. This year, we're taking the same route as you mentioned with the football program in the Colonial SEC. Uh, just yesterday, we announced that if a team cannot uh, produce a, t uh, a competitive squad for competition purposes, that that team will forfeit the game. Uh, and uh, statistically, I don't think the NCAA is recognizing those. But for the MAC internally, when we're choosing teams for postseason MAC competition, we need to have a method of uh, accounting for those forfeits. So they will count as losses. And as we pick six teams for or eight teams for a different uh, competition, eight in soccer, for instance, the, you know, the three teams that aren't selected, if they may have well not been selected because they had a number of forfeits, we'll have to see. Uh, but it will be a factor moving forward. And frankly, I think the burden has shifted now from those that are vaccinated and trying to do the right thing. And then perhaps athletes that have chosen not to be vaccinated or programs that don't want to have their athletes vaccinated. I think generally society in, the re in this region of the country, at least, we're all viewing that as the burden of the unvaccinated. So we're not able to do those gyrations this year with scheduling. It just takes too much time and effort and it's not fair to the teams that are vaccinated. Uh, I think we'll have some issues still in the fall because the Delta variant is certainly in the, in the populace here in the Northeast. I had a staff member come down with it after being in Maine for a vacation recently. And uh, she had to go through the you know, quarantine process and she's fine because she had been vaccinated previously. So it was very mild, the Delta variation, but we're gonna see that this year, I think still in the fall. And we'll just have to deal with it as we move forward. So, but to that point that I was making, um, that because we have this tool, the vaccine, uh, that, uh, you know, the patients are sort of like, at, at this point, look, we need to have athletic competition. We cannot financially go through what we went through last year, especially when we can avoid it. Uh, 
how much is that thinking within your, your league of, of basically you cannot go back because if you do, it can be catastrophic. What do the numbers tell you about if you had to go back to what you went through a year ago? Well, we've taken some big hits on our revenue flows, both from the NCA revenue, as you're familiar with, and also our internal revenue sources. Um, for a lot of reasons, we did a number of things related to our membership. We gave them a dues holiday last year, and there, and we cut out certain, certain other reimbursable expenses that we would normally receive from them. So, And then uh, we, I also paid off the note on the building we own here, so I gave that money back. So my reserves are fairly low now. And last year's basketball championship, which usually is a net positive to me of about four or 500,000, was a negative 800,000 last year because we were doing testing every day of everybody involved. So it is a big economic hit. And that's why the vaccines are important and why we're going to require them this year. We can't really go through that another year. And, and frankly, it's not fair to the athletes that have been vaccinated. I, I recognize we're going to still have issues because of Delta. But hope, hopefully they're, they're minor in nature and we can contain it. But I don't think we're going to see what we went through last year where we had wholesale uh, schedule changes because teams weren't available for weeks at a time. Well, and I mean, Iona went through almost, what, months? 50 some odd days, I think it was. They were out of, out of pocket from competition. It was ridiculous. And uh, Rick Patino did a great job. He went through and won the tournament. Uh, but we also want to make sure that as we go into the tournaments, you know, field sizes are being developed based on, you know, more, more head, head to head competition. Last year's seating of the tournament was really something of a, of just wasn't really what we would like to see because there were just not enough head to head competition. So, you know, it just came down to the numbers and it worked fine for what it was. And it was great to see Iona do so well. But uh, we certainly wanted to get back to a normal process as we head into the, the March Madness. Let me go just go right ahead to the fall sports because fall sports across the country, outside essentially of, you know, scattering in the SEC, Big 12 and ACC, for the most part, at all levels, were canceled. Shifted to the spring or in some cases like the Ivy, not played at all. Um, to ensure that those student athletes don't go through two years without competition, uh, which would be absolutely um, disastrous because you can't get it back. I mean, you can't get back two years. How critical was this decision and others that other commissioners are making to ensure that these fall sport athletes from soccer to field hockey to cross country get that opportunity this fall, especially when we have the tool of the vaccine? Well, the MAC is fully committed and to having a fall season, and that is why the vaccine requirement is in place. But I think every conference is trying to approach it in their region as best they can to, uh, to provide that opportunity for the athletes this year. None of us want to repeat what happened last year. It was out of our control. And we did give them some sense of a season in the spring, but it wasn't the same as a full-blown fall semester season. So no, we're all committed and we're all working to get to that point. It's just that in different parts of the country, you have different politics laying in. We have an associate member, for instance, in rowing. That's for, we have two actually from Florida. Well, by state law, they can't mandate vaccines, which is fine. That's the state of Florida. And when they compete in Florida, they're gonna have to meet that standard. But if when they come to New Jersey in the spring, if, if the COVID is still where it is today, they're either gonna have to be vaccinated or they won't be able to row with us. 
So it's just those kind of decisions that'll have to be made as people move forward this season. Well, and, and Rich, look, it's not a, a it's not a right to participate. It's a privilege, and this is a conference that, as you mentioned, are private institutions uh, that have every right to make this decision. I know we can't say it across the board, especially when you're dealing with different states and different state legislatures, and it's very difficult to get something blanket. Um, but I'm just curious in, in your sort of thinking as you're working with presidents and uh, you know athletic directors, um, it, it sounds like this was pretty unanimous to get to this point to make sure that there was a season in 21-22. Um, how much pushback, if at all, if any, did you have? Well, it's, it's unanimous, but it took the better part of two and a half months to build that vote to that point. Uh, as you know, commissioners uh, were as much politicians as governors. We need to work with our membership and we have 11 schools and they all think they're in charge of me. So but, uh, that's okay. That's just goes with the territory. But, uh, and I've been doing it for 33 years. So I'm pretty good at maneuvering through that process. But yeah, it was fairly easy to get to an unanimous position. I am sure there, there are folks on campuses that would have liked to have done things a little differently here or there, but they react well to the fact that everybody's trying to make sure this season happens. And you know we're all gonna have to give a little more to make sure that happens. So uh, I, I can't say we've had huge pushback. I've got letters coming in from parents and other folks. And as you can imagine, you get probably a lot of that mail too. It's, uh, it's a little fringe in many cases, but uh, we uh, we just recognize that's what's out there in the you know in the in the public right now. We'll have to deal with it as we move forward. But I think the parents generally understand we're trying to do the right thing for their athletes. So that's on vaccination. In terms of masking, uh, how much is that just going to be at the sort of the granular level? That you know each institution might have a different policy based on um, transmission rate in that particular community. Well, first of all, the states are starting to get back into that space. So I, I think Connecticut passed a requirement that all indoor activities now have to have masks, whether you're vaccinated or not. So uh, we'll have to work our way through that as we get into volleyball and then basketball to see what that means for competition purposes. Uh, but internally within the MAC, we have uh, requirements that if you aren't vaccinated and you're in one of those two exempted categories, that you either test uh, are tested three times a week by any test uh, method and uh, are negative and can then compete. Or if you go with the PCR test, you can go once a week in 72 hours before any competition, but you will have to be masked during the competition. I don't think we're going to have a lot of that. Uh, from what I'm hearing, there's two or three exemptions at most campuses at, at, at the high level. I haven't heard of astronomical numbers. Uh, one of my, you know, one of our religious schools mentioned uh, that a lot of young people were finding religion earlier this summer as they looked to, look to find an exemption, but they've got pretty rigorous standards they're applying to, uh, to allowing that. So, and uh, I think uh, it'll work its way out. You know, there have been a couple things, uh, and I think of recruiting um, where use of Zoom has been actually a big plus during the pandemic because you can actually do home visits uh, a bunch of the day and never leave your office and visit with an AU coach or you know a parent or um, you know just a whole group of people on one Zoom and that could be something that stays. 
what are things that you've seen from the conference level, whether it's how you ran a championship, um, how things were conducted, even just, you know, technology during the course of a game or a match, field, inside, outside, that you think they have a chance that might actually stay beyond this pandemic or even in this transition period? Well, I think Zoom has certainly changed a lot of behaviors, both in athletics and in, and in the general business world. I think we'll see Zoom uh, be maintained as a method of having more frequent mass meetings on any number, within any number of groups, but you can't beat the in-person eye contact and back-to-back -back conversations that take place. So I think it'll be a bouncing act to see where that lands as far as what I do every day. As far as recruiting, I'm on that Women's Basketball Oversight Committee and uh, they have a recruiting proposal that's gonna be working its way through the system this year that tries to incorporate a lot of what they learned the last two years as far as recruiting uh, by distance and, and other elements of, uh, and they're trying to maintain a home life work balance, if you will. And that's very important to many of our women's coaches. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses through the NCA uh, governance system. But I think those are the types of things that you'll see kind of creep into the what was previously a, an in-person world of recruiting. And lastly, Rich, um, I just want to go back to the cost. So people fully grasp that, you know, how expensive last year was huh. versus if we can get to that point where very, where, where a very small minority would be, you know, subject to the testing, um, you know, and also subject to any kind of uh, distancing that was created in terms of, you know, one group in, one group out, all these kinds of things, as they say, the sort of the gymnastics of, uh, of COVID, that uh, there was a cost to a lot of it. And all of it's not going to go away, but a lot of it could go away. Uh, just if you could just give us a sense of what you heard from your membership about how much they took on and how much they need to sort of get off the books to at least get to a better place financially. Well, they spent millions on testing and, and other kinds of uh, accommodations for athletic competition and just student bodies in, in general. But in, in the athletic world, I can speak specifically for basketball, where we had our men's and women's tournaments together, we always do in Atlantic City. And we had, uh, you know, 21 teams because Canisius had dropped out on the women's side earlier in the year. But that testing of all those teams daily as well as all the staff and personnel, the game officials, the broadcasting teams, the whole shebang, that costs upwards to $540,000 for the Mac for that one event. And we had to do that for any number of events, golf at Disney. Uh, we had our volleyball up at the Albany Convention Center, which we've rented because of COVID and had it attached to a hotel where there was a, a bubble-like environment. No, it added up to you know millions even within the mac and uh it's just something that we can't afford to do every year we're a mid-major we don't have those huge revenue streams that some of the majors have and uh we do need to get the the ship righted so i think the vaccination policy is a step in that direction well rich you guys are uh trendsetters here i mean uh, i'm hoping that other conferences are going to get on board here with this uh and ultimately they may have to to avoid forfeitures and uh, disruptions into their seasons. Um, be well, be safe. Uh, and as always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where we have all of our social series archived 
We've been on top of this subject from day one. You can learn a lot. We've had some tremendous guests across the spectrum in the medical field, the athletic field, across everything in a, a variety of topics. Appreciate everyone. We will talk again next week. Stay safe, get vaccinated, and hopefully we're going to have a great fall across all divisions one, two, and three in the NCAA.